Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump. Busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child. And if you had told me back then that I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi, welcome back. Pleased to say that normal service has resumed after a much needed holiday in the sun. Thank you, Gran Canaria. Pool, beach, good food. Managed to somehow read three books in a week, which is a record for me. Uh, And now I'm back to it. And um, I'm loving seeing the book, Why Mums Don't Jump book, pop up in libraries around and about the place. Didn't think of that, did I? Um, Shout out to the listener who ordered it from her local library in New South Wales, Australia. I was very excited about that. People send me these pictures of the book out in the wild and I love it. Uh, Welcome to anyone who's new to the podcast. Maybe you came via the book. Um, Yeah, just welcome. Thank you. You have found your people. We're going to help you navigate your way through your pelvic floor problems. Um, Please do also go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes because, you know, they are as relevant now as they ever were. I think I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, Um, but it's a good thing for you. So go back and check them out. Today's episode is about fitness and exercise and postpartum rehabilitation at any stage of motherhood, whether or not you have pelvic floor problems, it's about getting you back to where you want to be, or maybe even stronger than you were before you had kids. What about that as an idea? I've been speaking to um, Shakira Akabusi, who is a pre and postnatal exercise specialist She's like a public speaker. She's a track athlete. She, uh, you might have seen a pop up on TV as a fitness expert on this morning. Um, And a few years ago, she founded the maternal well-being platform Strong Like Mum. She's also written the book recently, which is the Strong Like Mum method. And this is what I kind of wanted to talk to her about, really. So this is how all of that started for her. I found that during my first pregnancy, and I'm now a mum of four, I was constantly told of all the things I would never do again after becoming a mum. And a lot of that was to do sort of with physical activity and sports. And I've always really been into sports. I've loved it. And I almost felt like people were telling me, well, now you're a mum, you can't be who you are. And to me, I started thinking it doesn't really matter what your thing is, whether that's, you know, exercise or a job that you love or a hobby that you have. The, the idea that motherhood should mean the end of something and, you know, the end of who you are uh, just didn't really resonate with me. So I just shared my journey of how I sort of continued to continue with my passions alongside motherhood. And I think that resonated with quite a few women. So it grew and expanded. I specialise in pre and postnatal exercise. So my focus initially was on sort of physical rehabilitation after pregnancy and then it it evolved as I went through motherhood I had my own sort of maternal mental health experiences and I realized that we can't really be talking about physical health if we're not also addressing our mental well-being so the two really go hand in hand and then it's it's evolved I've now um, written a book and I'm I'm just on the brink of releasing sort of my my first set of programs for pre and postnatal women so it's now sort of, you know, developing into, I like to think of Strong Like Mum as a community of women who just 
shatter those stereotypes and, and share honest and real accounts of motherhood. And you, you know, you've got four children, you've got twins. Yeah. How, how, I mean, yeah, just that in itself, I can't even get my head around, but anyway. <laughs> um, how did you find your physical and mental rehabilitation? I mean, I got, I mean, I guess we could talk all day about it, but you're, you're obviously like in incredible shape and kind of in a, you know, seemingly in a good place. Like how did you manage your own postpartum recovery? Do you know, I am, I, I am now in a really good place. I feel um, I feel, I was going to say content. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, th- things are always up and down. Life's always up and down, isn't it? So there's lots going on. But I feel like I'm managing and I'm coping with really positive coping strategies when I do encounter something. So I feel in a good place. But it, it, it has been a roller coaster. And certainly, I mean, people ask me all the time, how do you manage with four children? And honestly, for me, the biggest challenge was number one. By far the biggest challenge, like, twins is is exhausting in a different way because it's Mm -hmm. double everything you know double the time to do everything but that first pregnancy and that first postpartum experience really was a shock to the system and I knew how to recover physically if we're looking at sort of physical recovery um, I knew the things that I should and shouldn't do during pregnancy and how to rehabilitate properly postpartum because that was my job. But I was shocked at how little information there was out there. And it was during my first pregnancy that I remember reading a statistic on sort of like a fitness professional platform that only five, I think it was 5.5% of fitness industry professionals at that time were trained in pre and postnatal. And that just blew my mind because I wasn't given the accurate support via my medical team, you know, throughout that process. And then to think that women might approach you know, I don't know, a gym or whatever health setting that they're that they're visiting, and there's still not the support there, just felt like a real failing on women. So um, that was something that I found really shocking. And then my mental health journey was quite extensive. And I suffered really severely with postnatal um, anxiety and OCD. And it was really, really, really extreme. And I've I've got myself through that. And as I said, I now feel like I'm in a really good place with really positive coping strategies um, for my mental well-being. And I feel strong physically. Uh, but, it, but it's been a long journey. And I, but, and I think that probably just makes you so much better at your job, right? Because whenever I, you know, if I see a, a trainer or whoever I want to see, like, if they can relate to what I'm going through and I can learn from their experience, that's just going to get you so much further down the path, isn't it? And it's so important yeah. that you're, you're honest, you know, you're not, you're not just like, yes, yeah, I'm a fitness trainer. So of course I knew what I was doing. And of course I bounced back. Yeah. Like, no, that's just not a thing, is it? No. Not for anyone, not even if you've got all the knowledge. No, and also uh, I think there's so many, you know, when you when you're pregnant, when you're postpartum, you're constantly bombarded with messages that the only fitness goal you will have is wanting to lose weight. And there's just so much more to it. And there's nothing wrong. I think we do have to also, you know, say that there's nothing wrong with having aesthetic goals. I certainly had weight that I wanted to lose after pregnancy. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there is more to the picture than just wanting to lose weight. Um, And there's so many more benefits to exercise than just losing weight. You know, for me, it's about obviously about my mental well-being and the effect exercise has on that. But even when we're looking at physical health, it's about being able to manage daily motherhood tasks without aches and pains. You know, if I'm constantly lifting my car seat and I'm like, oh, gosh, it always hurts my lower back. What can we do to address that? Because otherwise, in 
30 years time, we're going to have, you know, we, we might have a slip disc or we might need a knee replacement or a hip or whatever else we need. And so really looking at our body in a way that we can help to lay those strong foundations for a, a healthy, sustainable, active lifestyle, as opposed to just like get back into your pre-baby genes in eight weeks. It's so important, isn't it? I mean, like, like you say, I don't remember. So my eldest is 10, just turned 10. And I don't remember hearing anything about rehabilitating a postpartum body when I was pregnant or even after I'd had her. And like you say, you know, just having a little bit of information just to get you through the sort of functional day-to-day life that can get you so far down the track I I did like embarrassingly Shakira I did actually take my pre-pregnancy genes to hospital with me when I had my baby like and that's that how embarrassing is that like that was the level of knowledge that I had about what was going on with my body yeah Yeah. and also (laughs) um we generally live in a world at the moment where fast information is what we want or what not what we necessarily want but it's, it's what everyone's conditioned to have you know, I mean, you look at like algorithms of all these social media platforms, the faster you get that information out there, the more engagement you're going to get. And to try to challenge that in today's world is difficult because no one wants a slow recovery or that. But actually, there's real power and strength in slowing down. And not everything has right. to be fast and quick. And in my mind, fast and quick is not sustainable. And I'm much more interested in sustainable. So what is, um, and we'll get on to obviously like, you know, pelvic floor dysfunction and yes. all the kind of complications that people can have after birth and forever afterwards. But what's the sort of approach with someone who perhaps has had a relatively straightforward pregnancy and birth? How would you outline the process for someone getting back to real fitness and strength? Well, I would I would approach them all the same. Um, I would okay. approach them all the same. I just think, you know, the, the time you spend through these phases of recovery if you like you might um, feel more confident in certain areas the first thing and it sounds so boring (laughs) honestly I think I've just you've got to find like a I don't know a crazier like sexier way of saying words like posture or breathing but honestly (laughs) like this is really important and um, the first thing would be learning to take a deep breath and you know the reasoning behind that is because if we don't learn to inhale so I'm already making a fist I know you can see me here but if we don't take that proper inhale we can't get that full work through our core so if you imagine your core like a fist then you know once we've released our fist and opened our hand we can pick things up and we can have a nice strong grip if I don't ever fully let go or if I'm only half letting my fist go it becomes really you know dysfunctional I can't pick anything up I can't use my hand so we have to let go And it's the same with the core. When we take that deep inhale and learn how to breathe right, we're going to access so much more power through our core when we do engage it. So number one, I'd be looking at learning to breathe right with your shoulders down. If you're lifting your shoulders up when you're breathing, or if you're not expanding your ribcage, or if you're not releasing your pelvic floor, you're not going to get that full work through the core. So that would be the first stop. And then posture specifically, particularly postnatally I I would be looking at what are the glutes doing so when you when we go through pregnancy and the um the bump expands and the uterus expands the bump grows the arch in the lower back that that can create can put our glutes 
into sort of an overstretched position and we lose the functionality of our glutes. And we should always make sure that we're clear on the difference between uh, weak glutes and clenching. So sometimes people think that if they're clenching their glutes that they're strong. Mm-hmm. But again, that makes your glutes really inactive if you're just constantly clenching. So it's about really being able to have efficiently functioning glutes. And so I'd be looking at what is the glute strength doing? Because when we strengthen our glutes, that's going to help us realign our pelvis after that bump bump has grown and that's going to help us get our posture right and once we've got that good posture again then our core can function properly let's talk about the pelvic floor dysfunction side of things like do you have presumably you have women coming through your door who maybe leak who maybe have pelvic pain you maybe have prolapse like yes what is the the progress that they can see because it's so easy to to feel like you know i had a baby and now i'm a bit broken and it's always going to be like this forever Uh, and then I guess they walk into, you know, your fitness studio or wherever you work from. And then actually they realize that they can make progress. Yeah, I think. And what's so important is, like you said, you know, there's there is. And this is why working with a professional who specializes in pre and postnatal exercise or working with a, um, a woman's health physio, why this is so important, because there can be so many different reasons as to why you might have urinary incontinence. You know, it might be that they've had some sort of um, tear during during delivery or that they've had an episiotomy and we need to be working on getting the pelvic floor, you know, working with the, that muscle group itself. It might be a, a hamstring issue or it might be that it is a weakening in the front of the abdominal wall if we're looking at something like diastasis recti. So there can be so many different reasons. What I would say is that if this is something you're experiencing, there will be a reason and you will be able to work on that reason. So I would definitely push women. You know, I, I, I um, have a friend I go running with and we've been friends for years and we've got our children are almost nine, eight and a half, nine. And I was running and just last week she said she made some comment to me and we've been running together for ages and I don't know why we've never had this discussion. And she said, oh, yeah. Oh, I've always leaked. Like, I just I just always leak when I'm running. And, and that's just the way that, that it is. It's the way that it's been for the last eight years. And I was like, I can't believe we've been friends for so long. We've never had this discussion. <laughs> what? This, you know, and, and she had just accepted that that's just the way that it is. You know, oh, you I think that happens so often. Yeah, people will just go, oh, I've got two kids. Oh, I've had three kids. Oh, that's just the way it is. And that doesn't need to be, be the way that it is. And, you know, for now, it might seem, it might be something that you feel you can manage. You could just put a pad in and that's just the way that you are. But what we want to do, like I said, you know, banging on about sustainable change you want to be focusing on that sustainable change because you know we want to be able to to still have a fully functioning uh frame in 20 years time in 40 years time my mum is 60 oh I once did an interview I said she was 68 she's not she's 63 my (laughs) mum is 63 she's not happy about that my mum is 63 and uh she she doesn't have any aches or pains or you because she's really laid those strong foundations so there can be so many reasons it might be for example with urinary incontinence I work with some women who have an overactive pelvic floor so I see a lot of women who are like oh I bought a pelvic floor trainer you know and they're using these pelvic floor trainers squeeze 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 and then they're like but I still have urinary incontinence well again if your pelvic floor is partially contract constantly engaged it also can't function properly. As I was saying, you need to release the pelvic floor to get the full function. Then we can see urinary incontinence that way. So there can just be so many reasons. 
it's and it's so important and the mess the messages that we get around this like well we don't really we don't get any good ones we still don't get any good ones we you know our lack of knowledge around this is phenomenal like it took even you know I've been talking this about this for a while before I really even understood about as you say, the overactive pelvic floor or sometimes called the hypertonic pelvic floor and how it's not just all about Kegels. You know, you you talk so much about your whole core and your pelvic floor and how it all works together. And like, it does my head in that that people don't talk more about this stuff. It's literally, you know, you can get sick of saying it, can't you? But it's just like, you have a baby and then you're just kind of left to figure it out. And if you have complications, well, it's just... That's what happens. That's what happens with your friend who goes running yeah. and leaks and just puts a pad on and doesn't realise yeah. that she can yeah. potentially do something about that. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, you know, like you said, it's, it's about the knowledge because what's tricky with this type of thing is that there is no one answer. So you can't stand up there and say, yes, everybody postnatally um, is going to have bad posture and once you fix that, you'll be good to go. There's just so many more things that, that could be impacting your recovery. And that's why I think the best advice you can give is just like keep pushing for your answer because there will be a reason and there, there will be work that you can do to help to manage the symptoms that you're experiencing. But, but it's, it's about finding those answers and making that a priority. I think you're right. I think so often um, healthcare professionals, you know, we are looking to get women to a level where they can survive but the concept that you might thrive after having a baby and that's what my first pregnancy experience what I said at the beginning that's kind of what I really noticed that everyone was like oh you might run but you're never going to run as fast you're never going to this you're never going to that whereas actually like I have never been stronger than I have after having a baby because the really special thing that pregnancy and postpartum gives you is this opportunity to really look at the foundations in a way that I never did when I was a teenager or in my 20s really look at the foundations and building them back up and since then I've run a personal best and I've had all sorts of different physical achievements and that can be so many women that doesn't have to be the exception absolutely can we can we talk about fear of movement for a minute because that as well that's been a really big one for me Mm. because the medical advice at the time when it happened eight years ago was very much no running, no jumping, no heavy lifting, no standing for long periods of time. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm 36. Like, yeah, what can yeah. I, what can I actually do? Yeah. You know. So then I stopped doing the kitchen discos and the gardening and lifting my kids, and it just left me afraid to do anything at all, really. And I know that's really common, uh, and I know that things are changing. You know, the advice now is more sensible. It's about the importance of exercise or and modifying it if you're experiencing mm-hmm. symptoms. But it's prolific, like it's still, um, what's the word, pervasive. Um, and I heard just from a woman yesterday who had been told the same thing. Don't run, don't jump, don't yeah. lift heavy. Oh, you must, you must hear that a lot from women who come to see you. Yeah, exactly. You hear that type of thing all the time. And I think, like you said, the, the focus needs to switch to how do we modify movements and, you know, in a way to help us build strength to get back to where we want to be? Um, fear of movement is a big one. I remember I spoke to someone else on another podcast, I can't remember who it was now, who talked about they did a poll on their Instagram about who was afraid to lift their baby. And it was like, I, it was over 75% of the women. Afraid to lift their own baby. Afraid to yeah. lift their own baby. And, um, 
And it's because there is so much uncertainty and it's so difficult to take away the uncertainty because you can't give a direct answer like, no, you'll be fine. You know, there is so much more to it, but that does not need to be a part of your reality is absolutely a message we can put out there. You know, it's about learning how to modify movements and how to lift properly, how to rehabilitate our pelvic floor, you know, to a place where we are, are feeling more confident. And, and like I said, it's, it's gonna, it will take work and it will take time. So I got back to running a bit. And when I say running, I mean in the park a couple of times a week, no more than 5K. I'm not doing marathons or anything I mean, that's, like that. That's, that's like Everest to me, what you've just described. The 5K, <laughs> I'm like, Ooh. That surprises me. I thought oh. you'd be out legging it up mountains. No, so I do. I do. I, 5K is my absolute max. And that is on a good day. And I okay. probably walked like I, I, that is forever. I do track, <laughs> um, track running. So I, I'm much more comfortable with oh, distances. So if okay. I'm on a 5K, I I feel like I've run a marathon. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, no, a lot of people get in touch and they're like, you know, how, how have you done it? How do you run and, and not and manage your symptoms and do all this kind of stuff? And it has been, like you say, a really slow road to build up to doing that. And I always, I'm really clear, like, that's my journey. It doesn't mean that it's everybody else's journey. And I, you know, I'm aware that... I, there's a risk like but you listen to your body you've learned I've learned to trust my body you know the first time I went out for that first couch to 5k training session I was so I was so scared I thought I would take a few steps and all my insides would fall out like literally that's what your brain is telling you and you're trying to be like no no it's gonna be all right so yeah I like that idea about it's it's learning to trust your body and it is the slow road and that's not exciting and it's not a quick fix. No, it, and it's, it's just real. And what is what is so hard is it's about, you know, if I'm looking, if I'm working with women who want to get back into running specifically, it's really like it, you said, it's knowledge. It is knowledge. It's listening to things like this or speaking to experts in this field, because when I'm looking, when I'm working with women who are running, sometimes it's their feet. So if you've had uh, either a twin pregnancy like I had, I and I did experience this after my twins, or if you've just had a, I don't know, a, a larger bump pregnancy, but it can be anybody really, it, it can flatten that additional weight, can flatten the arch in the sole of your foot. Mm-hmm. And if that happens and you're running and you're taking a step, the way that your feet absorb that impact, your feet are directly connected to your pelvic floor via sort of deep myofascia, deep body tissue. If that impact is hitting your feet in a different way because you've now got a flatter arch of your foot, that could be impacted. That could be one of the key triggers with your pelvic floor. So, you know, are you looking at your foot health? How's your jaw? Again, after my twins, I had really bad locked jaw. And I was like, why am I? And I kept saying every morning I'd wake up and I was, I remember boiling the kettle and I'd say to my husband, oh, my jaw is really hurting. And the jaw, again, is connected to the pelvic floor via deep myofascia. So, which is why during labor, many women are asked to relax their jaw because it helps to relax your pelvic floor. It's that that interconnected. And so uh, working on, I had to do jaw release exercises, you know, working on, on the muscles either side of my jaw to help release my jaw. And that, and that then, again, it had a massive impact. So it's, it's about the knowledge and, and, and opening our minds to understand that, you know, if you've met someone and they said do 100 Kegels and you're doing 100 Kegels and you're still you're still experiencing urinary incontinence, that doesn't need to be the end of the road. 
I was just thinking about the fitness industry, right? Because I remember um, going to a spin class once when I was trying to figure out how to get back to fitness. When I had my prolapse, I'm a bit lost with it all. And the fitness trainer had never heard of prolapse. I was like, I was like embarrassed, you know, quiet little corner. Just want to let you know, have this prolapse. And she had no idea what that was. And I don't blame her for that. I didn't know what one was until it happened to me. But it really, like, it didn't fill me with confidence. I didn't want to do it again. And I just feel like, for me, like, you know, if you want to see a pelvic health physio, brilliant, please do if you get the opportunity, but you're probably going to have to wait a really long time or you're going to have to go privately. And I always kind of think like the fitness industry is the perfect, like there's a gap here that could be filled if only the knowledge base was there. I don't know what level of knowledge your average fitness trainer has about pelvic health and and specifically pelvic floor dysfunction and, and stuff. I don't know if you have thoughts about that no so as I said you know I'm when I when I first started working in this industry only five percent of industry professionals were training in that and I also think there is what you learn in a textbook and then there is what you learn from lived experience and also what you learn from working with women so so much comes from working with women I mean every time I meet a, a new client I learn something new without a shadow of a doubt which is also what I love about the industry is constantly learning but also I'm now, and I'm now speaking to the professionals there's nothing wrong with not knowing there is something wrong with then not seeking to learn so like I said I meet women all the time where I'll encounter something and I think oh my gosh okay I need to I need to do my research and as an expert if you already have a basic understanding of the human body when you read credible you know whether that be books or there's lots of different fitness of um, professional magazines that you can subscribe to or something you can learn so be open to learning there's nothing wrong with with still needing to learn um i think that yeah that the fitness industry should be focused on supporting women more and i don't know whether this means that there needs to be more funded courses that people can attend that can learn whether it is about doing you know specific workshops going in and, and training I know that I covered a very in my initial personal trainer qualification the most basic certificate I think there was in like specialist populations or whatever they call and, and you you learn not just about pre and postnatal you learn about all different types of specialist populations but there really is no in-depth understanding and Gosh, you know, I'm talking to you about feet, jaw, you know, deep myofascia. Yeah. That stuff I did not learn. I didn't even learn that when I first trained as a pre and postnatal specialist. I have learned that through years of loving this subject matter and learning and researching and working with women. So a lot of it does come with time. Um, women's health videos are fantastic. And, you know, yes, as you said, on the NHS, that that can be a weight. Um, you can see one privately. There are also fantastic uh, physios out there that are sharing general information. And you might just suddenly read something where it applies to you. And I think I say that in my book, you know, it might be that you read my book through pregnancy one, and you pick up on some things. And then the second pregnancy, you go back and you're like, oh, now I get that because now Mm -hmm. that really resonates. So yeah, you know, I think we all, I think we all could just do with exploring this more I think what's it what is most important is that this shouldn't just be something that flies under the radar and it's like oh maybe you will address it it takes a village there are a lot of people that need to take responsibility for this I think GPs could know more midwives could know more I was given even when I had my twins two years ago 
I was given an A4 piece of paper, which told me about one pelvic floor exercise and then contraception. And that was it. Like, <laughs> there was no... Don't get me on that. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was nothing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's about looking for those answers. And lots of women, lots of women aren't even going out there and looking for those answers. Yeah, that would be the dream, wouldn't it? Like, just a link up between good quality information that you can access simply on the internet, bite-sized stuff from a trusted source. Yeah. That also links up with, you know, your local fitness professionals. You want to go to a fitness class, they've got a level of understanding yeah. that'll help you to learn what's appropriate. They'll be able to, you know, advise you or recommend pathways to physios or maybe suggest you go to your GP, who then would yeah. also have this real knowledge base Maybe that might end up you being referred to a urogynecologist or whatever it is. And if all of that just worked together, it would it would be amazing. That would be the dream, yeah, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And things are changing. There is more of a conversation around women's health, female empowerment, um, you know, and understanding the importance of supporting women in general, but mothers and caregivers in general and the impact that that can have, the ripple effect it can have on the next generation. So things are changing, but... But as most good things, it is slow progress. It is. But you know, hopefully we are laying those good foundations with conversations like this. Shakira Akibusi, founder of Strong Like Mum. I love that sentiment. If you don't follow Shakira on Instagram, then you should. She is uh, shakira.akabusi, A-K-A-B-U-S-I. I'll add it to the show notes along with a link to her website. As ever, please be aware that I am not a health professional, so please don't take any of what you've heard today as medical advice, but do seek out your own support. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, thanks to everyone who has bought the book or ordered it to a local library. Still love that. Uh, and if you've read it and you liked it, then please do leave a review so that others can do the same. Thanks so much to everyone who's done that so far. You are amazing. You've been listening to Why Mums Don't Jump with me, Helen Ledwick. You can find me on social at whymumsdontjump or online at whymumsdontjump.com. Bye for now.